Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. We're starting a new series today called God Only Knows. We're going to use this song kind of as the as the backdrop, but uh, um, go ahead and turn to your neighbor and give them a high five and congratulate them for being here um, for the first message of a new series. Amen. And, uh, you know, I was thinking just this last week, uh, how many of you played a little baseball back in your past? Anybody play a little, little baseball, softball? I, I grew up in, um, uh, in, a, in kind of a baseball family and and uh, played Little League and then up to Babe Ruth and then played even some high school baseball. And, and I was thinking about one of the, um, you know, one of the strengths that I had when, when, when batting in, in baseball, in high school baseball, really, because there wasn't a lot of curveballs uh, earlier than that. But, but I could stay in there and I could hit a pretty good curve. Um, for those of you that know what I'm talking about, um, when somebody throws a curveball, it looks like it's coming about, you know, to your head and shoulder area, and then at the last minute, that ball breaks down into what they call the strike zone, and um, and and many many people, especially at uh, you know on those uh, younger levels uh, of play, you know, when that ball is coming at your head, you've got a tendency. To, to block, get out of the way, and then it drops in the strike zone. Of course, that's a strike. And so, so um, how many of you were able to hit a good curveball yourself? You kind of stuck in there. Awesome, Marsh. I love that. We, I love that. Um, and so, so anyhow, we use the curveball as kind of an illustration whenever we go through hardships of life, don't we? What do we say? We say things like, well, you know, life just threw me a a curveball. It threw me something that I wasn't anticipating. I wasn't expecting this thing to happen to me. It kind of rocked me back on my heels. Come on, has God or life ever, you know, thrown you a curveball? You found yourself in a situation that you just were not prepared for. Anybody here say amen. And so I want you to know that the title of the message, and it's in the series called God Only Knows. Today's message is titled, God Knows What You're going through. And if you've lost a job and if you're going through, you know, relationship turbulence, you know, maybe you've got a sickness that you're dealing with in your body or a child is making poor decisions and and you're just bent up and tore up about it. And, you know, maybe you're here bound by addiction or you find yourself in the middle of self-serving Sin. I want you to know that not only is today's message for you, but this whole series of messages is for you. I want you to know that God understands the hurt and the pain, come on, that people go through. I love this, that Jesus who I serve, who is my Lord and my Savior, he says this, I have been tempted and tried in all ways, but yet I have not sinned. And so while he understands our temptation, he was able, come on, to keep himself pure and free from the sin itself. But he has been tempted. He understands what it is that you're going through. Once again, if, if you're hurting, if you're broken, if you're busted, this message 
is for you. And I want you to know that God understands. This last Friday, we had a, a full house here. We did a celebration of life service, probably close to about 600 people here as we laid to rest a young man by the name of Darren Stelly. Darren was a strong man. He was a cowboy, um, had life by the tail. He was a hard worker, good-looking tall guy, um, had a wonderful family, faithful to the house of the Lord. Come on, gave his heart to Jesus, and when he did, he immediately became part of, of this family, has great kids and, and a good business, owned his own business, and and uh, over you know, the last couple of years, he's been dealing with cancer and sickness in his body. And I can't tell you how many times that Sean and I and other people, we've you know, called Darren in the middle of this fight. He was a fighter, man. He fought all the way, all the way to the end. But we'd call him and say, what are you doing? Can we come over? You know, what, do we do? what are you doing? Can we take you out to, can we take you out to lunch? And, and every single time that we would visit with Darren and pray for him every single time, you know, we would walk away encouraged because he was so positive. He really fought or thought that he was going to be able to fight through this and, and, that, and that he was, going to, he was going to live. And in fact, every single time that I prayed for him, I was like, man, this is going to be so cool because God is going to do a miracle in this situation you know, the doctors were saying it doesn't look good, and everybody was saying it doesn't look good, but I was just thinking, man, God's going to give us a miracle, and he's going to raise Darren up, and, and he's going to get healed, and God's name is going to be glorified, and people are going to come to Jesus in droves because of Darren Stelly's testimony. Well, he died, and when he was on his way out to the Dakotas to... Uh, uh, to watch his boy in high school rodeo, he passed on the way out there. And I can just tell you this, that I wasn't ready for the phone call. I wasn't ready when they said, Darren has passed. Well, I just prayed for Darren an hour or two hours before, but yet the call comes and says that, that he's, with, he's with Jesus now. And there's been few times that I've been speechless, but this was one of the times where I didn't have the right words to say because... I was expecting, in light of, of how bad things looked, I was expecting God to do something. But this is what I'm telling you. Just because I don't understand, and just because you don't understand a certain situation that you may be in, or somebody that you love might be in, I want you to know that God understands, and He knows what it is that He's doing. And it's at times like that where we have to not trust ourselves but we have to trust God. How many of you know that God is sovereign? Amen. I'm not God. I don't know, but he does know. And when I don't know and he knows, then I need to get a part of his plan and not, not try to continue to stay in my own situation and work my own plan in this life. Can I get a good amen? Acts chapter 23 and I'm going to give you a scripture that's found in verse 11, but the Apostle Paul, who has done so many good things for the advancement of the kingdom of God. How many of you know that Paul was a missionary? Come on, he took the gospel message into areas that it had never been preached before, and because of his faithfulness, there was churches planted here and churches planted there, and, and, and these churches were growing and people were coming to, 
to know Jesus. How many of you know that the Apostle Paul had written, you know, by the Holy Spirit, under the power of the Holy Spirit, he had written much of our Bible, our New Testament that we have today. You know, when you look at one man that has done incredible things, Paul has to be at the top. He has to be at the top. But Paul finds himself in the book of Acts chapter 23, he finds himself in a Roman prison. And let me just tell you that prisons back then were not like prisons today. You didn't get three hots and a cot and you, and you didn't you didn't, uh, you didn't have HBO and 600 other channels that go along with it. In fact, when you were in prison back in this time, it was up to your family to make sure that they brought food so that you could eat. There were many people that probably didn't eat for long periods of time because their family was in distant, far-off places. It was a hardship. Not only was he in a Roman prison, he was in the pit of the prison. He was in what we would consider or call to be a dungeon of the Roman prison. And I don't know, I don't know what Paul, you know, what kind of conversation Paul had with himself when he was at these low points. I can just put myself in Paul's situation and come up with a few ideas. Some of the thoughts that I would have is, it kind of goes like this, God, I've done so much for you. Come on, I've done this missionary trip and I've done that one and and every place I go, you know, the gospel is being preached and taught. And, and I've done pretty good things for you, Lord. And I've been faithful. But I found myself shipwrecked and beaten, uh, left for dead, and multiple times been put into prison. And here I find myself in the pit of this prison. And there would be one word that comes to my mind, probably if I was Paul, and maybe it crossed his mind, and that word is in the form of a question called why. Why can you not just protect me? You know, God, I'm working for you. You are able to do all things, but why are you not able to, you know, keep these people away from me and, and protect me? I love this. One night while he's in this dungeon, Jesus paid him a visit. This is Acts chapter 23 and verse 11. The Lord said to him, be of good cheer, for as you have testified of me, Paul, in Jerusalem, so must you also bear witness of me at Rome. How many of you know that this was probably a pretty encouraging word for Paul? You know, see, when, when, the, when the Lord says, you know, you're in prison, and he's probably thinking, this could be the end of my life, but the word of the Lord comes and says, listen, I'm not finished with you yet. What you've done in Jerusalem, you also need to do in Rome. And so I would be thinking, good, I'm, my life's not going to die in this pit. My life is not going to come to an end in this place. But the biggest thing that I want to extract from this today is that Jesus did not forget about Paul just because he was in prison. Right. He didn't forget about him. He didn't, for, he didn't you know, you know. He had his eye on Paul the whole time, and he was with him even in that prison. And, and I'm a simple man, and so I'm thinking if, if Jesus was with Paul in his prison, then don't you think he can be with you when you're in your prison? You know what I'm saying? And I'm talking about literal prison, like some of you folks have been to literal prison. 
because of breaking the law. Breaking the law, breaking the law, breaking the law. Some of you have been to jail literally because of breaking the law, breaking the You've been there. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And this is the cool thing is, is some of you met Jesus while you were in prison or in jail. Some of you are just like me. Listen, I'm not talking down at anybody. I gave my heart, I surrendered my heart to Jesus when I was in jail in Boise, Idaho for a DUI. I said, God, my conversation went something like this. God, if there's anything good that you can use in my life, then you can have it. And immediately the Lord, the Holy Spirit, came into that place and gave me right thinking and just set me on a course. Come on, as I repented of my sins, he set me on a new course that has led me to where I am today. Come on, in and through prison. My, you know, so listen, I... I went to jail, and so I'm, I'm a simple guy. I'm thinking whenever my heart gets to the point where it's like, I need to tell other people about Jesus, my simple mind is like, I need to go talk to people that are in prison. So I went to, I went to the, the, uh, the Boise, the main yard, and I said, listen, I want to have religious services here. And I got set up. It's a fiasco to get set up and all that. But... Uh, but they let me come out every Saturday, and I went out there every Saturday for a year. I took my guitar, played a couple songs, and I, and I probably gave them the worst Bible studies that have ever been created because I had no clue what I was doing, but I just went. I thought, man, if people are down and out, and the gospel, Jesus met me when I was down and out, then I'm going to take his message to other people that are down and out. My brother was a uh, prison guard at the same time that I was going my older brother, he's four years older than I am, he was a prison guard. And he came up to me one day. He said, Travis, what are you doing? I said, what do you mean, what am I doing? He said, what are you doing wasting your time with these people? And, and he, says, he said this. He said, oh, yeah, everybody goes. And he's been, he'd probably been in the prison system as a guard for far too long, I'm guessing, because he had a hard heart. And he said, oh, yeah everybody goes to prison and who they he's doing this little dance and he's a big guy he's about 50 pounds bigger than i am about six four big guy and he's like who do they find i can just see him dancing i'm like sit down and quit dancing in front of me i ain't gonna do nothing about it but he's like oh yeah who do they find everybody finds jesus when they go to prison and then they get out of prison, they go back out, and they keep doing this. This is what he said. I'm not saying. He says they keep doing the stupid stuff that landed him in prison in the first place. Oh, yeah, everybody finds Jesus. And I looked at him right square in his eyes, and I said, Rick, this is what you need to know, is that if people repent of their sins, and if they ask Jesus to forgive them of their sins, and Ask them to, you know, ask Jesus to come into their heart and to change their heart. It doesn't matter where they are. They could be in Hawaii or they could be in the pit of a prison. Jesus will be there with him. Amen. And it gave me just a wonderful opportunity just to share with my brother just a little bit about the goodness of God. But so, so, so some of you understand the, what literal jail or prison is like, but there's others that 
might be bound to the prison of a wheelchair or the prison of, a, of you know, maybe they're bedridden. You know, we, I've seen many people just in the community that are imprisoned to, you know, an oxygen tank. Every single place that they go, they've got to carry this oxygen tank with them. And I can just tell you, whether it's a wheelchair, the bed, or that oxygen tank, I guarantee you if they were given the ability, they would get up from that place and they would walk out because they feel imprisoned. I remember this was about two months ago. Bob Bosinger, who knows Bob? Bob's a good guy. He's been going to this church for a long period of time. I'm just kicking back on my couch. It's maybe 7 o'clock at night or so, and, and I see like a shadow. I got a big, I got like uh, window uh, uh, doors, and, and, uh, and I, see, I see somebody kind of approaching the house, a shadow, and they're kind of standing out there for a minute before they knock, and I'm like, oh, this is weird, you know? And then all of a sudden, I get, there's a knock on the door, and I go to the door, get up off the couch, and I go to the door, and it's Bob Bosing. I said, Bob, you know, how are you, how are you doing? And he doesn't say anything. I was like, oh, this is weird. So I invite him into my house. I say, man, come on in. And immediately when he stepped into, across the threshold of, of, of my door, Immediately, Bob just broke. He just started to weep and cry uncontrollably. I mean, he couldn't even, he couldn't even speak. And I'm like, Bob, what is, what's wrong? I'm thinking, did somebody pass? Or he, uh, he, but he was just so emotional and so overcome. He couldn't even get one word out of his mouth. So I brought him in and I sat him down on the, on the couch. And I'm just kind of sitting on the other, just kind of waiting for him to, you know, to get his, to get his breath and, and, uh, I'm like, Bob, what's wrong? He still couldn't talk, and there was a piece of paper that I had. I've got a big ottoman that you can put your feet up on. I had a piece of paper on that ottoman. He took that paper, and he just crumpled it up. You know how you, get, you, you, get, you crumple stuff up so you can throw it into the trash? You know? So he crumpled this up, and he's just still crying. And solving. And he threw the tears. He, 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 he was able to speak the words, I can hear that. I was like, what? And through the tears, I, I can hear that. He said, my whole life, I've never been able to hear so many things that everybody else hears. And he, and he went on to tell me that he got these new little hearing aids that, that, uh, that he doesn't know how they're going to be able to afford or pay for, but they put these on. And he had tried hearing aids 30 years ago, and the technology wasn't the same as what it is now. And he put these hearing aids on, and he could hear... What everybody else hears. He says so many things, just, you know, even driving your car and your, and, and your keychain banging off of the steering wheel whenever you hit a bump. I've never been able to hear any of that, but I can hear it now. So, so here he is, Bob's in a prison of limitation. And now God shows him and, 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 and gives him the ability to experience what you and I probably have taken for granted for a very long time. Some are in a prison of grief. You've lost somebody. I want you to know that God is with you. Some of you are in a prison of addiction and you're in the prison of sin. And I want you to know that God is with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. But I want to be very clear about something. If you want God to deliver you from the sin that you find yourself in, there's only one way through that. And that is through 
true repentance. That's coming to the Lord Jesus Christ and saying, you know what, I know that you have died on a cross so that I can live. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and then you do an about face. You don't keep walking in your sin. No, you continue, come on, to pursue God and pray that God gives you the ability for you to think that God is gonna give you some sort of a miracle when you are positioned and postured to continue to walk in the destruction and the devastation and the lies is foolish. You have to repent, God, I am a sinner in need of your saving grace. God, please forgive me of my sin. I'm going to do an about face. It's a military term, and I'm going to walk in your direction. Amen? You cannot leave any iota, no, no inkling, no thought, well, maybe I can, because when you've done that, you just ensnared yourself that much more. Come on, somebody, I'm preaching to you this morning. Jesus came to Paul in a time of need. This room is filled with people that have experienced the low point in life. This was a low point for for Paul. And I want you to know that just as he came to Paul in a time of need, he'll come to you in a time of need, in a time of desperation. I want you to listen for his direction. I want you to listen for his encouragement. Don't tone it out because your own desires are stronger than your ability to want to be pleasing to the Lord. Listen to what it is that the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Allow the Spirit of God to give you wisdom. Allow the Spirit of God to open your ears of understanding. Allow the Spirit of God to see, come on, with spiritual eyes where it is that you're going and the things that you need to turn from so that you can walk in a new direction, in a right direction. C.H. Spurgeon said it like this, and he's writing to Christians that are going through hardship and turmoil. He's writing to Christians that are facing trials. This is what he says. He wrote, the Lord knows about your troubles before they even come to you. He anticipates them with his foresight. Before Satan can draw the bow, I love this line, the preserver of men. Come on, the one that is able to preserve you when everybody is plotting against you to kill you, to destroy you, to drag your name through the, through the dirt. Come on, to destroy your existence. He says the preserver of men will put those that he loves beyond the reach of the arrow. Before the weapon is forged in the furnace against you and prepared on the veil, he knows how to provide us with armor that will dull the edge of the sword and break the point of the spear. I want you to know this in Acts 23, and I encourage you to read this, but Paul's in a bad way, but he's in a worse off way than he even knows he's in a bad way. Like there, what Paul doesn't even know, Paul knows he's in prison. Paul knows that, you know, that, that, that this, could, this could end out very terribly for him. But what he doesn't realize is there's 40, 4-0, 40 men that have taken an oath not to eat or not to drink until Paul's dead. Now, I don't know about you, but I like my food. And if I was a guy that had taken an oath that I'm not going to eat or I'm not going to drink, the sooner that that dude dies, the better I'm going to be. 
And so Paul doesn't even realize that these men have made this oath that he dies before they take another drink of water, before they take another bite of food. Somebody say, ignorance is bliss. Come on, sometimes it's a wonderful thing to have your head in the clouds and not know who's behind what it is that you're going through. You see, you may have people in your workplace, you know, you're just getting along with everybody, but you've got people that are facing you to your face and saying great things about you, but behind their, your back, they're talking about you. You know, they're telling everybody that's anybody why you shouldn't be the one that gets the promotion, while nobody can count on you and that you're just, well, you're really not even good at your job. Sometimes ignorance is bliss. Sometimes it's not to know. See, sometimes I sit down with people and they ask these questions, man, if I could just see what God is doing, if I could just see how he's going to take me from this place to this place over here, it would be so wonderful. I just wish he would just show me just so I could know. And I'm like, no, you don't. You don't want to know how he's going to get you from point A to point Z. Because if you knew, it would probably blow your mind up. It would just be like, you don't want to know that. But what you want to know is that God's in control. And, and if you will but trust him. You see, the idea is that if you will trust him, if you will trust him, if you will trust him, if you will do what his word says you should do, then you're going to begin to reap the blessings of what his word provides to you. But we think that it's okay just to know but not do. And this is why the Bible says be doers of the word, not just hearers only. I'm so crazy in my mind about Christians. Sometimes it will be so strong one minute at the, at the moment of weakness. They just deny the very power of God. And they make excuses like, well, yeah, it's okay. Come on, somebody. There's a military term for sensitive information. And if you've been in the Marine Corps at any time, you will know this term very well. It's a need-to-know basis. If you don't need to know it, don't ask. Because don't put your, put your nose in business that doesn't belong to you. You will know on a need-to-know basis. Other than that, don't ask questions. God will sometimes treat us in that same way. He will show us what we need as we need to know it. Right? People here are plotting against Paul's death, but God keeps him safe. Number one, if you're taking notes, go ahead and write this down. In tough times, we can feel that God has forgotten us. When we're in tough times, we can feel like God has forgotten us. Have you, can I just be, can you just be, have you ever felt that way? I felt that way. It's like, man, I'm going through a struggle. Where's God in this situation? He has left the building. He has left me. He is no longer with me. I have felt like in tough times in my life, I feel like that God has forgotten all about me. I went to... Uh, on a walk the other day with a young man and we were just visiting about a lot of different things and and he was he was sharing with me some of the frustrations that he that he had and he said 
You know, sometimes I feel in the picture, the word picture that he gave me that I'm getting ready to share with you, it just hit me so hard because I was like, I have been there. I know exactly what you're talking about. And then I asked him for permission to steal what he had shared with me so that I could make it my own. And he said, that's fine. Just give me, uh, give me props for it. So that's what I'm doing. But this young man, we're just visiting and talking. He said, man, sometimes I feel like I'm on the phone with God and, and I'm just yelling in the phone and I'm telling him everything that I need and my desires and God, are you, I'm just crying out to God and I feel, this is what he said. He says he feels like God is on the other end of the line. He's not saying anything, but he's taking notes. So he's recording what it is that I'm bringing to him but he's not responding in the way that I would like him to respond. He's listening, and he's just taking notes. And I'm like, oh, I have felt this way. And so hashtag Jordan Cook. Hashtag Jordan Cook. I was so good. I'm like, man, this guy's a writer. We're gonna, he's going to help me with my sermons going forward. And, um, but in tough times, we can feel like God has forgotten about us. Come on, we want God to give us answers. We want him to respond. He wants us to confirm um, our decisions or he wants to correct. We want him to correct our decisions. Now, I remember when my kids were little, they're all grown now, but when all of my kids were at that age of learning how to ride their bicycle, I was the one that was privileged to teach them. And I remember this is kind of what it was like. I'd grab a hold of, let me give myself some running room here. I won't run too far because I, I got a message to finish and I don't want to be out of oxygen. But I would grab like the, you know, the dads or moms, whoever did this, you know what I'm talking about. You grab the handle here, right? They're on the bike and then you grab the seat. And what do you do? You, you're like, okay, <laughs> you're doing great. You know, come on, go ahead, pedal, pedal, pedal. Get, get some balance, okay? So you do this for about 30 minutes, okay? You're like, you're like, and I was a lot skinnier back then. So, so come on, you're doing, you're doing fantastic. Great job. You're coaching them. You're encouraging them. You're sweating for them. And then all of a sudden, they're getting a little bit more balanced. And so you're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to remove my hand from the steering wheel. Are you ready? No, Dad, no, Dad. I'm going to do it anyway because I'm tired. And so you let go, but you still... You still have the seat, and so you're running. Oh, you're doing a fantastic job. Boy, look at you. You are doing so great. And then you do that for about another 30 minutes. And then all of a sudden, you're like, boy, you've got this. You're kind of pedaling. I'm not even doing anything back here. Don't let go, Dad. Don't let go, Dad. Dad, don't let go. I already did about a minute ago. I'm not even with you anymore. <laughs> Now, when they get to the point where they got to turn around, that's a different story. That's usually when their first wreck happens. It's always kind of a highlight for a dad. They don't hurt themselves too badly. But, but what do they want to do once they're doing it by themselves? Dad, go get mom. What are they looking for? They're looking for mom to come out. Mom, look! Look what I'm doing. Look what I've done. They don't tell mom that you got them there. No, there's no, there's no appreciation. Hey, mom, be extra nice to dad. He worked really hard. No, no, it wasn't. It's look at me, mom. Look what I have done. And, and what does moms do? Mom, mom, they do what only moms can do so well. 
oh, I'm so proud. You are such a big boy. You're such a big girl. Good job. I, you are awesome. They're just, you know, just building their kids up. But you know what? We're the same way. When we do good things, what do we do? We, we should be looking to God and say, God, what do you think? Or when we are going through tough times, we should be looking to God and say, God, what do you, what do you think? Help me in this, in, this, in this time. Come on, we're looking for some affirmation. We're looking for some direction. But when we don't get it, we begin to question, is God even there? And does God care? Come on, somebody. I know I'm talking to some of you here today, but there's other times where we might be steeped in sin, like we, are, we know we're supposed to be over here with God, but we are all the way over here with God, and that's a different time. That's when we are believing and, and hoping that God just only checks in on us every now and then. Because when you know what you should do, but you don't do it, and I'm not talking about just a mistake. I'm talking about living. I'm talking about planning. I'm talking about coercing. I'm talking about dreaming. I'm talking about all the, when you know that you shouldn't be doing it, but you do it anyway, what you are literally saying to God is, I don't care what you think. I could care less what you think because my feelings are more important than being right with you. And so it's at those times that we're hopeful that God's not paying attention. Maybe, maybe he just checks in every once in a while. Maybe he's, you know, maybe, he, maybe, he'll, maybe he's left me. You know, it'd be better if he would just leave. There's a litmus test that I want to give you the thought of God, and I want you to take this right now. The thought of God watching your every actions and paying close attention to your every thoughts right now. If it brings you joy, then you're probably walking pretty good with the Lord. But if the thoughts that you have about God seeing your thoughts and your actions, if it gives you a little bit of fear and it kind of messes with you just a little bit, then it's probably pretty possible that you should repent of whatever sins that you find yourself dealing with and get right back on track with God at whatever cost it takes. Number two is this. God knows your every thought and your every action. I want you to know this, that God doesn't just check in on you every once in a while. He is taking a list. He is, he is preparing a list of every thought and every action that you ever have. Everything that you do, everything that you say, everything that you think. He's making a list, both good and bad. If you don't believe me, just listen to these scriptures. Psalm 139 and verse 2. You know when I sit down, you know when I stand up. You know my thoughts, even when I'm far away from you. And, and I believe that that far away it could be distance, but it could be distance. Like it could be when my heart is not close in proximity to you, you need to also know that God knows your thoughts during that time. Psalm chapter 139 and verse 17, how precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of the sand. Now listen, I want every single person, Jasmine, raise your hand. Uh, Tyson, raise your hand. 
Jasmine, I want you to know that the thoughts that God has about you outnumber all of the sands. Tyson, the thoughts that God has about you, the record that he's keeping about you, it, it, it outnumbers all of the sand in the earth. Now listen, if I was going to waste, you guys can put those down, if I was going to waste your time, this is what I would do, is I'd have you go get a, two, two handfuls of sand like this, and I would challenge you that there's homework that I'm going to send you home with this week, and I want you to count every little grain of sand, and I, you will have wasted your entire week just doing that. But God's thoughts towards you outnumber not just the sand that is, that is able to be kept in two hands. Individually, God has more thoughts about you than all the sands of the earth. Come on, that's incredible. That just blows my mind just a little bit. He is mindful. He is thinking. Matthew 6, 8, your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Why is that? Because he's watching you. He knows you. He knows your thoughts. He knows your dreams. He knows your desires. He knows your sin. He knows what scares you. He knows what's, what, what, what excites you. He knows you. His eye is always upon you. Don't think that he stops watching you at any second. He's watching. He's paying attention. Jeremiah 29, 11 is probably the most misunderstood, misused scripture in our Bible today. There's a lot of people that we use Jeremiah 29, 11 that, you know, they come to the conclusion that God wants everybody to have a million bucks and be prosperous. I mean, it just gets used and misused and out of context, probably as much as anything else. But Jeremiah 29, 11 is still a powerful scripture. It says this, that for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and to give you a hope. Isn't that pretty cool? Like His thoughts towards us are good. I, 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 this has come up to me recently, a question of, of, God, I've prayed. You know, people have said this, sharing with me. God, I've prayed. You know, I've prayed to God. I've given Him my desires, but... But my prayers have gone unanswered. Is there anybody here that you've asked God to do something, but your prayers have gone unanswered? You know, God, I thought you answered our prayers. I thought you were able to do all that we can ask for, think of, hope for, or even imagine, right? God, I prayed for this, and I was believing for this, and it didn't, it didn't happen. Well, I'm just telling you this, that it's possible it didn't happen because it would have robbed you of your peace and led your life into a lifestyle of destruction and a lifestyle of evil. Because Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the thoughts and the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Listen, if God would have answered your prayers, he knows what that, that answer would bring, and it would, have bring, it would bring total destruction to you. You're thinking, oh, it's going to be wonderful, it's going to be so beautiful. Everybody else is saying, oh yeah, it's going to be incredible. But you get there, and it's the very thing that... that, that that takes you so far outside of God's will and plan for your life and everything that God has called good in your life, the enemy through that bad decision is going to rob and steal from you. Well, why didn't God answer my prayer? Because he was protecting you. You see, we know right now. He knows the whole thing. So if I only know right now, and, and I'm wondering why things are going the way they, when as a Christian am I going to start trusting that God's plan for my life is better than my own? 
Oh, man. There's not a single person that this message isn't for here today, including myself. Where were the children of Israel whenever they were given this great promise in and through Jeremiah 29, 11? Where were they? They were in exile. They were prisoners in Babylon. They were exiled to Babylon. No hope for the future. Not much if they had any. They were at a low point. And this is when the word of the Lord comes. I know the plans and the thoughts that I have for you, declares the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. See, they had thought that God had forgotten about them. And guys, listen, I know even for the seasoned Christian, sometimes you can deal with stuff to where you think God's just forgotten about me. But I'm telling you, he has not forgotten about you. His eye is on you. Come on, he has not given up on you. He has not forgotten about you. But you have to come to your senses just like the prodigal son came and said, what in the junk am I doing out here? I'm going back to my father. I'm going back home where even the servants have it better than what I have it. I know that I'm loved, forgiven, I'm seen, I'm known, and I'm free. And I'm just telling you, this is exactly what the Lord has for each and every one of us. Amen. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. Services are Sundays at 8.45 and 11 a.m., as well as our Wednesday evening service at 6.30 p.m. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.